The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry with Joe McGill. Morning, good morning. How are you this morning? I'm Joe McGill, and you're listening to the Saturday Supplement. And I hope I find you well wherever you are. Listening to us around the world on Radio Kerry.ie, or on the Radio Kerry app, or on the traditional wireless 96 to 98 FM. Happy Christmas, Nolig Hana Eve. It is. Christmas Eve Eve and it is the 23rd and I noticed driving from my home in Port McGee this morning that the roads are a lot busier. Usually I have the road to myself on a Saturday morning but not this morning so it seems to me that there are people like me that have left it till the last minute and they're out now and they're panicking and they're trying to get the bit of shopping done and everything else that uh, comes with it. There's a lot of organisation isn't there? Kind of phrases I was thinking during the week that uh, kind of come up at this time of the year. What's it all for? And uh, there's only the one day in it and um, should they only play with it for five minutes and then they'll put it to one side. There are all these sayings. Um, but we will get into the programme because we have a very special Christmas programme for you this morning and I want to hear from you. What are your favourite Christmas traditions around this time of year? What was your favourite favorite Christmas present that you ever got? 066-712-3666 Martinez, take your calls 083-300-3300 for your texts or WhatsApps on the programme this morning like I mentioned we have a very special Christmas programme with even more special guests and we'll hear another episode of A Bloss of Kerry Women in Food a unique eight part series where we will focus on female entrepreneurs who have their own food businesses in Kerry and our episode this morning around 10.30 will feature Lisa Lowney of Port McGee Seafoods also our new 10-part series produced by Maureen Nivahuna called Log Amnica Kiri, where national school children in Kerry will tell the stories and meanings of place names in their area. And this morning we'll hear from the school children of Akatabrit National School, my own national school, and Tahila National School, wonderful um, school there outside of Sneem. But first, I'm delighted to say in studio, we have regulars to the programme, Dominic Walsh from our world famous in focus photography slot, and our other world famous slot, speaking of poetry, Bernadette Nirida. How are you doing and happy Christmas? And happy Christmas to you, Joe, as well. I'm delighted to be here. Great morning, like, and as you said yourself like that, um, people leaving everything to the last minute. I'm one of those people. I leave everything to the last minute. <laughs> I'm going to leave the station here this morning and go off out and do my shopping very quickly. But I'm a voucher man, so I won't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> Bernadette, it strikes me you'd be a very kind of organised woman. I'm fairly there, I could say. Of course, women, you see. I must uphold the women's side of it now, us women, <laughs> you know. But I'm, I'm, I'm nearly there. And um, I suppose, as I was listening to their talk, and John, first of all, happy Christmas to yourself Christmas and, too, um, yeah. and to everyone listening. But I was thinking a lot of times we pe- people say Christmas is a time for, you know, giving thanks and that. Can I just usurp one minute of your time now yeah. just to say there's a lovely receptionist downstairs called Martina and the last time I was here I took off like I do and went out to get my car and the, the car park uh, the ticket couldn't find it. I had to retrace my steps and I'd say only for her I'd be still wandering around <laughs> so thanks Martina and happy Christmas I just wanted to say that you know we're inclined to do that at Christmas say thanks and everything but uh, yeah it is a nice morning out there um 
it's almost there but you know can I just say one thing like Christmas I know people say it's only one day and then I always say there's 12 days because I everyone is going but I think when we, we stop and down tools I think stretch it out and mm. Nullignaman is the last day of Christmas and the 7th then I take down the decorations that's my tradition you take them down the 7th the 7th of January no messing no messing the 7th they come down because Christmas is over on the 7th and when do you put them up I have them up now for the last week and a half. All oh, right. So I often think we should just leave them up, save us, put them up again. <laughs> no, actually, I've mine up since I got my tree, and I think it was about the twenty eighth of November. Yeah, getting ready on that, and the first December the tree was up, and I absolutely I love the decorations up. Not a lot, but I like the decorations up. Mm. And like yourself, seventh of January, I still leave it on. If it, that seventh of January comes during the week, I'd leave them up till the weekend. Would you? Oh yeah. yeah we, we used to go on holidays many years ago during the winter, mm. and you'd go over, and you'd be in March. We'd go off on holidays like that and to real cold places. Right. And they'd actually have their Christmas trees ah. still up and oh. they'd have the decorations up. Fabulous. Yeah. We, we're actually putting up two trees this year. Look at us. We're getting very oh. fancy. But oh, we've it's... only one up and the other one isn't up yet. But you know what I found very difficult to get? And we might be in a date now. But you know the angel that goes on top of the tree? I, I, I saw one of them, but it was huge. The thing, you'd want a massive tree to yeah. hold it. But yeah. I don't see them as much the angel, you know, that you can put on top of the tree. Yeah. Or a, a tree topper or whatever, you know. They're not as angelic. Yeah. That's my point. Now I'm the one I have. I have it for years, and she's lovely. Like she has that angelic look. And is she falling apart, or is she holding well? No, she's beautiful. She yeah. goes into her box. Oh, you have a box. I have uh, a box. Yeah, yeah. But do you know what's funny? Sometimes you know, um, one year I put her up, and like you know the way they say people be tippling, and whatever way I looked, the angel was nearly, and I thought, oh God, now there's an example of someone that was tipping at the sherry because she was. So I had to manoeuvre her her under her skirts with bits of toilet rolls and that to put her down in the very top branch <laughs> and she doesn't move now <laughs> <laughs> you know sometimes promos are taken for our programme and sometimes they can be taken out of context I hope that one isn't taken out of context <laughs> looking up under her skirt um, oh yes yes oh god <laughs> Dominic we'll get philosophical now at the start of the programme what does Christmas mean to you um, actually, I, I I love Christmas. Um, I, it's an intimate time of the year for family, and and I like having my family, my wife Donald, my young fella, you know, also my wife and my young fella Donald. Like to be, we sit down, we have Christmas dinner. Our first Christmas without our father-in-law, he used to come out to us for Christmas dinner. This is it, so it's a bit of a, a kind of a hard time for us now, but it's a lovely time. This year now, what we're doing is we're going up to my niece's house on Christmas Eve, and would you believe it? Santa's calling. No, oh. it's an unusual one now to get a Santa around Christmas Eve. Busy enough as he is on that, like that. But he's calling up there and they're all excited and they're all getting ready. But he's only going, he's going to be there for just about, I'd say, a minute or two because he'll be running around and rushing around yeah. the place like that. You know. So that's exciting because they've got four young kids. Yeah. And to me, it's, it's going to bring back memories of yeah. when you're small oh, and, it's going to be and, magic. and the excitement of it like that, you know, and like in the gifts yeah. coming late at night and things like that. You know. Like in our house, we we tradition, we spoke to Santi very early on in our house, you know, and we asked if it was okay if would Santi would bring a surprise mm-hmm. and we would bring the gifts. Mm. So our young fella, we reversed the role in our house and it actually worked out quite well. So like, I always knew what my son wanted for Christmas. Right. The letter came and we got it, and mm. the surprise went to Santi. Mm-hmm. Santi's amazing because Santi nearly always gets a surprise, and the surprise is always too big when it comes there. And, you, and my gift would be lovely, but his mm. gift is always quite bigger. Yeah, you know? yeah, I don't yeah. know how he manages it, but it's a great time. Yeah, I like that, and I like going out. I go to Banner for the Christmas swim, I photograph it that day, and I have a ball, and I meet people there that I mightn't have met all year. And I meet and you shake hands and you hug and you have a quick chat and you just talk about general things because 
Actually, as you know, not a lot of people would be into the, the Christmas spirit as such. They enjoy Christmas, but they wouldn't be into the whole, let's say, um, parties. Mm. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like. A lot of people like it just nice and simple. Yeah. And I think that's my day for going, meeting people like that. And I talk to them, we'd have a chat and like, and how are they going and what they're doing for dinner. And things yeah. like. I think that's a very important time. Yeah. yeah. And, and look, we have to acknowledge as, as well, I suppose, Christmas isn't like happy, happy for everyone. And it can be a sad time. And maybe it's a reminder of someone that's, you know, as if people need a reminder, but someone's not sitting at the table this year or whatever. And it can mm-hmm. be a lonely time and all that. But there is something magical about Christmas as well. The Christmas Day swim that you brought it up, though, it's such a, a tradition isn't it like it's for for some families it's nailed on part of their Christmas I don't know how people do it though into the cold and there's like I'm doing Christmas swims now for close on 30 years Whoa. Oh. I was so doing, no it was always a thing was it it was always a thing now I used to take part and swim and photograph before <coughs> excuse me and but then I gave up the swimming part of it which is probably the better idea really and go and use the camera I was a lot warmer and that but I would meet people every year families coming away these are families now that could be some of the kids could be abroad mm-hmm. and then they'd come mm-hmm. and like and where did they go then Christmas morning out to the freezing cold water to go in for a swim now there's people that swim and there's people that dip dip and there's people that dip their toes <laughs> now I wouldn't be one for telling tales now that people dip their toes because as far as if you're brave enough <laughs> to take off the clothes and go in it's a big ordeal like that you know yeah. but you meet these people and some people I don't even have to take their names I just look at last year's pictures. I look at the year before and the family are there again like that. They're yeah. the same people that come back again and again. Yeah, it reminds me of when we used to do swimming lessons in Cruise Crown over the water and uh, when we were starting out, um, it was very hard to get into the water so the swimming instructor would accept if you just dipped down and that was it. <laughs> that was considered a swimming lesson. Bernadette, what does Christmas mean to you? It means a lot and I, I take your point about that, you know, it, it, there may be sadness, you know, of people but there's something about it that it... Um, it awakens kind of there. There's a certain magic because every, we all have the older we get, the bigger you know we've a store of memories, and it does something to that. And I think it changes people. When I'm out and about, if I'm shopping, there's a difference in people. Um, they're shouting across, you know. And I love that still, you know, Happy Christmas, and it, it's like people are getting that excitement in them. It's a feeling, and you know, it's. Um, it's family time and it's kind of seeing you know like and I have you know the children the grandchildren and all that but it's it's um, if it can be a happy time and I know that there's but if it can be the happiness but there's a buzz and I think people um, it's almost like they inhale this magic of Christmas and it comes out of them and everyone is working hard and looking forward to the magic of that day mm. where people sit down and kind of that's it then all the hard work and culminates in kind of the dinner the Christmas day dinner is kind of the, the main thing but back and I mean there's Santa Claus for the children and all of that I think it's a whole magical kind of a thing you know and I think um, was it John B. Keane that said you know um, Christmas is an occasion and people can do anything they like with an occasion Mm. I think that's that's good. Now it mightn't be verbatim, but it's close enough. Yeah. Sometimes I think the buzz leading up to Christmas. You mentioned the buzz is better than the Christmas yeah, itself, it's isn't it? It's the anticipation. Looking forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looking forward. But um, music as well plays a huge part in Christmas. Whether that's, I suppose, the music in the pubs, or the music you hear on the radio, mm-hmm. or the music, say, people that go to a mass and Christmas, yeah. you know, Eve, yeah. you know, can be very magical um, and emotional. Yeah. yeah. There's one Christmas hymn, Oh Holy Night, and that gin that. Brings 
brings a tear to my eye. Yeah. And I can't help it. It's what happens. Silent Night's another one. So it's all tied in with part. It's part of us, I suppose. You know, if you grew up in the, the Christmas tradition. But a holy night, I kind of feel it. Goes right into my soul. Yeah. And so there, there's so many aspects to why we're so attached to Christmas. Yeah. And, and it's, it's very much for children as well as... And, and, oh, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, and, we mentioned, and even the music again, though, there'll be a lot of children that are practicing now for to sing on Christmas Day yes, and all that. Yeah. And then people that come home will join in as exactly. well. You know, talented exactly. musicians from away. Yeah. So it's, no, it's, br- it's brilliant. I'm going to ask you to get your letter that uh, you wrote to Santa. Um, okay. But before I forget, I have to say Happy Christmas to you at home, all of you that tune in all year, because I better say it now or I will forget. It means a lot that you're tuning in here every Saturday morning. And um, happy Christmas to you, Newers, and a, help, a healthy Christmas and a happy new year to you as well. Um, Bernadette, tell us about this letter you've written. Okay, the first thing I want to tell you about is that this is only a copy. And it's a very special letter, so it's great to be able to keep a copy of something. So I posted the original one three weeks and two days ago. So Yes, and I get I, you. Yeah, I'm going to read it now. So the original is in it's the North Pole. In the North Pole. Right. Dear Santi, I know I'm long past the age and stage of writing to tell you what I'd be hoping you'd bring me for Christmas. And I know also that millions of letters from boys and girls all over the world have landed in the North Pole. But this letter from me, long overdue, is to say thank you for all the magic and love and excitement you brought into my childhood. Even though it's a long time ago, it's as real to me as if it was only yesterday. The excitement would be building up in me and my siblings for weeks and we'd be as good as gold. And then, on Christmas Eve, it's all we could think about. You probably don't realise how exciting it was to get the presents you brought to us. Even her father and mother used to be nearly as excited as we were. And the fun we got out of everything. The Fadog stones were great. It meant we could practice our Do-Re-Mi, or bits of the tunes we were learning at school at the time. We used to spend ages practicing. Although, sometimes our mother would say, will you put them away now for a while? My head is opened. The decks of cards. Snap was our favorite game. Snakes and ladders. The doll, the hair slides, new socks. Another big favorite was the big fat coloring books and the boxes of paints. When the big table was cleared off and wiped down, we used to sit coloring with little egg cups of water beside us to dip our brushes in. We thought we were Picasso himself. I remember on Christmas Eve, before dusk, and my father would be outside, bringing in extra turf from the reek. We'd ask him, had you left the North Pole yet? And he'd say, oh, I'd say he has by now. And then he'd look towards the sky and say, God speed you, Santi, on your journey around the world this Christmas Eve night. And I think I leave you with those words from my father. Thanks again for all the magic and the presents. Safe travelling, Bernadette. Oh, that's beautiful, Bernadette, and conjures up so many memories. Um, it just reminded me of the, the nine o'clock news. We'd stay up and wait for that to see um, that Santi was on the she way. You know, the they way. do at the end of the news. It's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wonderful, wonderful memories there. That's beautiful way to start off our Christmas special here this morning. After the break, we're going to be hearing from Breda Joy. Uh, Breda wrote a wonderful article in the Kerry's Eye this week, all about Christmas and the Christmas box. Do you know what that is? Oh six six seven one two three triple six. You can text WhatsApp oh eight three three hundred three three hundred. We're going to be looking back at some of Dominic's favourite photos from the year as well. We'll take a break with more after these. 
The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Virgin Media. Bringing you all your favourite Christmas entertainment. Powered by Ireland's best broadband. Yes, indeed, that's what you're listening to, and I hope you're enjoying our very special Christmas programme this morning. 066 for your calls. You can text the WhatsApp 083 300 When Breda Joy was growing up over and behind their grocery shop in the narrow street, there was a tradition of rewarding customers for their loyal custom through the year with a Christmas box. And this inspired a wonderful piece of writing by Breda in this week's Carrie's Eye, and I'm delighted to say she joins us on the line. Happy Christmas, Breda. How are you this morning? Many happy returns to yourself now, Joe. Thank you. T- tell people, what exactly was the Christmas box that mightn't know? Okay. Um, it wasn't an actual uh, box that you put things in, but it was a gift uh, that you gave to customers. I suppose nowadays you have this so-called loyalty card by the supermarket. Yeah. But um, the the customers of old were rewarded with anything, you know, from um, a bottle of raspberry cordial or, you know, a t- half tin of biscuits, box of chocolates. Um, one of my brothers reminded me during the week, you know, the tobacco came in in a plug, plug tobacco, and somebody might get um, a solid plug of Mick McQuaid tobacco or something like that. And um, I suppose this is like uh, the, the Christmas pint in a bar as well. It's kind of if you were lying yes. all year. But then you'd have the few that would be coming into the <laughs> bar maybe just a few weeks beforehand so that they'd get their pint. It was similar in the shop. It was. Um, you had, you know, these opportunists and um, my aunt and my mother would spot them uh, weeks before uh, starting to come in um, to build up credit, I suppose. And I remember one year especially, um, um, my, my family, they stood their ground, you know, and there was this woman and there, there was no box, you see, coming. And she, they, they were then astounded at the gall of her. She was demanded to know, where's my box, <laughs> my Christmas box? <clears throat> and then I, I explained in the piece then because... Christmas was mad, mad in our shop, um, as it is now in the big shops, but um, it was all concentrated in a little space in ours, so um, you might um, forget to give somebody a box so there'd be fierce mortification over that and you'd be trying to make it up after Christmas, or then because there was staff working at Christmas, they'd have mini conferences to see who had got their their, their box, but sometimes they'd, they'd give the person might get the box twice over then as well by accident. But is that you remember the Christmas box? I remember. I was just thinking there as Breda was talking um, many, many years ago now, going back and back, something about Christmas, we always go back. And I used to get a lovely, now there was a local shop and I used to get a lovely Christmas brack. Yeah. Now it was a local shop and the local shop sadly is gone for years. So is my brack. Oh, good. <laughs> but, ahead. you know, it was a lovely thing and it was kind of just handed to there, happy Christmas. And there's something about it, it wasn't so much what it was, it was the gesture. Yes. You know, I think again the the goodness and the Christmas spirit, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, it was an acknowledgement. But yeah. I do remember it, Joe, and uh, it's just the way that's triggering me, but that lovely Christmas brack, and as I say, the shop is gone for years and so is the brack. But yeah. But these traditions, like they were what made they were lovely. Christmas, yeah. They were lovely. And and Breda, you kinda of gave a me- metaphorical Christmas box to your readers this week. 
Yeah, you know, in the same way as I think do parents do um, a, a baby box now or you'd have a memory box mm. where you put in things. So I did an imaginary box for... Uh, my loyal readers who I just hope are out there because I heard, you know, unless I come across them, I don't know they're there. Mm. But um, I used the imagery of the shop then. So, for example, I said, um, I'm wrapping memories in the gossamer light tissue paper we used for Nelligan's pen loaves and I'm bedding them down in this box's ivy green baize lining. And I remembered another shop as my memory, um, Kelly McCarthy's down New Street. And it was, um, at one stage, it was the only toy shop in Killarney. But there was, any toy shop is magical, you know, from Mm. the smallest one to Hamley's in London. But this had, I don't know if mural is the right word. They had Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs on the back wall. But in my memory now, I'm thinking they were slightly raised out from the wall, like three-dimensional. But um, Kelly McCarthy's was a gorgeous shop. So I brought, just included that memory for starters in my imaginary box, Christmas box. Mm. Um, and you, like you mentioned different poets as well and Bernadette always comes on uh, here once a month speaking about poetry and the, the power of the, the written word is so important as well this time of year because that's part of people's traditions as well maybe reading a poem or a story that reminds them of, of, of Christmas and the festive mm-hmm. season yeah um, again now I um, I put down what I'd say just little fragments of the poems because of the space but I think it would be lovely if people took time to Google them and if they can't Google get a grandchild or somebody to do it but um, I, we had little sweet bags paper bags that you put a quarter of bullseyes or jelly sweets into so I said I'm just getting um, a sweet bag um, for this fragment of a Christmas child by by Patrick Kavanagh and all the, the well all the verses in it are lovely but this is the one I chose my father played the melodeon outside at our gate there were stars in the morning east and they danced to his music yeah it's powerful um, before we finish up Rita what does Christmas mean to yourself? Um, I have mixed feelings about it, you know. Mm. I think it's it's peddled as like the Christmas jumper, one size fits all. And um, it, it is marvellous. Like, I stood at the side of the street last night in actually our own narrow street <laughs> um, by accident just to, to watch the Christmas parade pass through. And, um, uh, you know, well done to Christmas and Killarney for, for all they do. But um, there was just a lovely feeling to see the kids and everything there. So despite, you know, the negative experiences um, that surround it for some people because of all sorts of reasons, mm. there is something that we cling to. And it's kind of like, you know, in our lives, it's there's something hopeful about it. And um, even if we have to creative fiction about it I think we should go with the flow you know um, because you do get a good you know positive vibe out of it at times yeah well Breda thanks a million for coming on and uh, I'd urge uh, anyone listening to go and uh, read that wonderful article in the Kerry's Eye and a very happy Christmas to you and a healthy Christmas and a happy new year 
Right, thank you, and no look, uh, That is Breda Joy there, and like I said, that's a wonderful piece there in the Kerry's Eye. We're going to take a break. We've lots more to come after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Virgin Media, bringing you all your favourite Christmas entertainment, powered by Ireland's best broadband. Yeah, time to get to a few of your messages. 066-712-3366. You can text the WhatsApp 083-300-3300. It is the memories of past Christmases and the parents and family members' memories that are no longer with us. And then the magic and excitement in children waiting for Santa. So sad and happy memories. Happy Christmas to all. Yes, it's a mixture of emotions this time of year. And uh, hi, Joe, enjoying the show. And that comes in from Pat. Patrick, happy Christmas to you, Patrick, Darren, Stoll as well. Happy 18th birthday to Shauna uh, O'Shea from Cara Savine, and that comes in from Mom. And uh, after Shauna, a lot of people born this time of year, usually they're kind of called Noel or Noel and Holly and all that, and they're yeah, usually around this time of year. Um, some more wonderful, wonderful memories, such a beautiful letter, and that comes in for Bernadette there for the letter she wrote to Dear Santa, which we'll all agree was absolutely um, beautiful. There is a few more messages as well, and I'll get to them uh, very shortly, just one or two more. Um, Nolig Hanna, Joe and Co. Dominic may claim to be last minute when it comes to Christmas, but he's never last minute when it comes to his photography. Always well prepared and on time. Best wishes, Adrian McLaughlin. And uh, so, Lee, the pick baby Jesus waiting in the wings, youngest in the house, will be put in the crib tonight. And uh, yeah, Baby Jesus goes in Christmas morning, isn't it? Or is it Christmas Eve? When does Christmas Eve night, I think. Christmas Eve night, yeah. is it? Oh, Before yeah. you go to bed Christmas Eve, you have to put Baby Jesus. Oh, okay. And I just, yeah, actually, um, I want to compliment every, you know, the community groups around the county and the volunteers that actually make those cribs and put those cribs in different villages and towns. There's some amazing ones. Um, around uh, the county so well done to everyone involved in them and uh, one there's one wonderful crib actually in Clarglen it's there kind of in mm. the, the square it's absolutely um, stunning and speaking of Clarglen sadly in July this year Clarglen lost a much loved son in Connor Brown and Connor passed away after a long illness from cancer aged only 41 the same age as myself Connor was involved in a number of community festivals and events Connor's love for Irish history and folklore led him to found his passion project the Biddy's Day Festival in 2017. He was incredibly proud of his hometown in Clarkland and wrote a large number of poems about the life and history of the town. During his illness, although physically Connor wasn't as strong he, as he had been mentally, he was still vivacious and willing to again support others in need. Himself and his other partner in crime, his mother Jacinta, embarked on writing a children's poetry book together with help from friends. Uh, their gorgeous children's book, A Very Kerry Year raised proceeds for comfort for chemo. In fact, the first book was so well received they decided to write a second book, King Puck Saves Christmas, another children's book of poetry that again um, supported charity. And um, that a very Kerry uh, year, um, that book, the the artistry in it is absolutely brilliant as well. It's like, um, I remember that book coming across my desk and I was kind of very proud of it and I had nothing to do with it. But it's just that it was like a Kerry book uh, for children and that was produced in this county. I just thought it was brilliant. And to, I, uh, there is a poem that Connor wrote and 
It's called the Christmas Candle, and we're delighted now that his half-twin, his brother, Neil, is on the line to read it. But before I do that, um, Neil, um, you kind of had a, an honour bestowed on you this week as well. Your father, Billy, got uh, the Kerry Hero Award. He got um, um, that, so that must have been a, a, prou- a proud moment for you in such sadness as well. Um, absolutely. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, um, yes, a- absolutely. We're... Um yeah, all, very, very proud. You know, it's a, I, I suppose the reason that he got the award is, is something that we w- would have never thought and never wanted him to get the award for. But uh, immensely proud that he was he was uh, able to be there for Connor. You know, Dad was such a resource for Connor, and he was um, very responsible for keeping Connor out of hospital during his final year. And uh, the pressure, hardship, emotional and physical pain that Dad felt while ten- while tending to Connor's twenty four needs were. They were they were quite immense, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. It seems like Connor was a bit of a dynamo. You know, he was really kind of um, energetic. It seems and uh, a real community man. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. He was um, uh, very, very vivacious, very community orientated. He had, uh, he had a wonderful spirit about him and wonderful way about him. Um, and I think that's you know it, it rings true. Even it's been it's just over five months now since he's passed, but just the the tributes. Have, have just been endless in their pouring and you know we had a we did we had the most gorgeous hospice night uh, last week in Kilorglin and um um and coffee it was it was wonderful in, in arranging that with with some more some others committed some other committed locals and there was the most gorgeous tribute by the graveyard biddies where they they played a few songs for him very very touching yeah very Clorgan has been very badly hit this year with losing some real characters and, and many of them much too young yeah he was a real cool looking dude I've seen photos of him there mm-hmm. um, you know during the, the the week and he's come across my yeah. uh, uh, radar before but he, he's your half twin as well yes yeah absolutely yeah. Um, he's, he's uh, 11 minutes older than me so um, well, yeah, uh, he's my, my best friend, and he was my anchor, and yeah, he was he was everything to me, really. So we 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 did everything together, mm. um, involved involved in a lot of uh, community initiatives together too. So um, I, I consider myself in, incredibly lucky and, and very very proud of him. Yeah, yeah. Now you see, you're taking up the mantle as well with the Biddy's Day Festival, and we will be talking about that. I'm going to bring you on next uh, month to talk about that. Um, that that happens always around my birthday, the 31st of January, Biddy's Night, but it'll happen around close enough to that, I'd imagine. Um, but uh, you you um, brought along. Uh, you have a poem which you know, and tell us about. Um, uh, I suppose before you read it, just tell us a, a bit about how did it come about. Very creative, uh, Connor, obviously as well, and he's left a legacy in that creativity as well. Yeah, absolutely, and um, as you said in your in your lovely introduction, there he wrote he wrote two poems with my mother, two children's poems, and he was all he was always writing poems. He was a very accomplished and dedicated poet, and it's even since his passing now. You know, I've I've taken up the mantle of kind of going through some of his personal belongings, and I'm after finding a treasure trove of of more poems there. So. You know, please God, in 2024, we'll we'll have another book published by Connor posthumously. Jeez, isn't and, that amazing? Um, That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, to, yeah, be, to come across yeah. that, whoa! Oh yeah, it, it, you know, such a such a welcome and and comforting um, surprise, to be quite honest. And the Christmas candle was was amongst the, this pile, and um, he actually wrote it last year again, going 
for the ho- the hospitals nice last year, last year. He wrote it especially in, in dedication for all those um, from Calorcan that have lost people or are feeling lonely because Christmas can be such a divisive time of year too. You know. Mm, yeah, very much. So, in your own time, um, Neil, this is uh, the Christmas candle. Thank you, Joe. The Christmas candle by Connor Brown. We passed the snowy mountains followed the freezing lounge. From the car I spied King Puck and the stone bridge into town. As we travel down Mill Road, there is a beacon in the night, a candle in the window whose little flame shone bright. It sits behind the frosted glass. Now no matter where I roam, that little candle flickering will always guide me home. Whoa. And our resident poet, Bernadette, is listening to that intently. Isn't that beautiful? Absolutely lovely. And the emotion in it is very well conveyed. And you couldn't help but feel that when you hear it read. That was lovely. Yeah, that is brilliant. And uh, Neil, well done for being so composed to come on and talk about your brother so glowingly and um, to read that poem so eloquently um, as well well done on that and uh, um, like you said he's left a legacy behind which you're continuing as well and your mother and father and uh, your family all involved in that as well but thanks a million for coming on and sharing that with uh, the people of Kerry what a hidden gem that was wonderful another beautiful Kerry poem that we can put uh, down there for years uh, to, to come as well but for now um, a happy Christmas to you I hope you have a peaceful um, Christmas and a, um, a peaceful New Year as well thanks Neil for coming thank on thank you Joe thank you for giving me the opportunity and uh, have a good and gentle Christmas that, that's Neil Brown there and uh, congratulations to Billy his father who got the Hero Award and um, um, been a, a difficult year no doubt but um, very well um, done by Neil to come on and uh, read that this morning and that's just that's that that was kind of uh, that'd bring a glow to your heart Dominic wouldn't it wouldn't it so and it's lovely yeah. to hear a poem like that and Joe it's lovely to remember somebody and I think yeah. that's the one thing that, that Irish people are great for like we remember our deceased we talk mm-hmm. about them yeah. and we continue we're absolutely we're probably the best of the world of going to funerals yeah. and sympathising with people and that means a lot to people you know like when they feel that yeah. compadre around them and the, the locals come together they bring the food the sandwiches yeah. and you know like, yeah. like I know my father passed away and somebody did it with a chicken yeah, and 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 we came home, and there was a cold chicken there, and it was devoured. Yes, like when yeah. we got in during the day, we were wondering what is coming in for. So, like, we're a great country, and you know something, like long may it last. Yeah, that we don't become like other nations I where agree. they just um, our disease pass away and we forget about them like that. This yeah. time of year is a good time. Yeah, for it. Bernadette, though, like you mentioned, the lawn there as well. I like that. You know, the local place names in a, yeah, in a yes, poem. Yeah, connected it to Cloglan, yeah. which is home to him and I think, you know, the Lawn and Bridge Street and it's something as well that he said about the, the candle inside the frosted glass. I think that yeah. image will mm. stay with you and it's home. Yeah. It'll always be home. Yeah, know, it's, yeah it's an iconic poem. Um, and you have another poem for us this morning. Yeah, we were talking about Christmas and how there's something, the store of memories and that we look back, we're always looking back and then Breda mentioned um Patrick Kavanagh's poem in her a piece and we featured Patrick Kavanagh earlier on in the year and I know that I read this poem and the feedback and you know people they knew his poetry but they weren't familiar with this one and I think he's looking back because he was born in 1904 and this poem was written in the early 40s so I think I would read that one because it's certainly fitting in with the time of the year Very good. A Christmas Childhood by Patrick Kavanagh One side of the potato pits was white with frost 
How wonderful that was. How wonderful. And when we put our ears to the paling post, the music that came out was magical. The light between the ricks of hay and straw was a hole in heaven's gable. An apple tree with its December glinting fruit we saw. O oh, you, Eve, were the world that tempted me to eat the knowledge that grew in clay and death the germ within it. Now and then I can remember something of the gay garden that was childhood's. Again, the tracks of cattle to a drinking place, a green stone lying sideways in a ditch, or any common sight, the transfigured face of a beauty that the whole world did not touch. My father played the melodeon outside at our gate. There were stars in the morning east, and they danced to his music. Across the wild bogs, his melodeon called to Lennons and Callans. As I pulled on my trousers in a hurry, I knew some strange thing had happened. Outside in the cowhouse, my mother made the music of milking. The light of her stable lamp was a star, and the frost of Bethlehem made it twinkle. A water hen screeched in the bog. Mass-going feet crunched the water ice on the potholes. Somebody wistfully twisted the bellows wheel. My child poet picked out the letters on the grey stone. In silver, the wonder of a Christmas townland, the winking glitter of a frosty dawn. Cassiopeia was over Cassidy's hanging hill. I looked, and three wind bushes rode across the horizon, the three wise kings. An old man passing said, Can't he make it talk, the melodeon? I hid in the doorway and tightened the belt of my box-pleated coat. I nicked six nicks on the doorpost with my penknife's big blade. There was a little, a little one for cutting tobacco and I was six Christmases of age. My father played the melodeon, my mother milked the cows, and I had a prayer like a white rose on the Virgin Mary's blouse. Whoa. He was fairly good, wasn't he, Patrick? He was. He knew how to turn a poem, all right. <laughs> the music of milking, what a oh, yeah. great turn and, of and phrase. The way uh, he has kind of woven all the things, like the wind bushes or the tree wise kings. Do you know, he has really merged the two things together but it's a beautiful poem there, there's nobody you like and I know Joe when we featured him people got back to me and said Jesus that was a poem I didn't know about him and I think they went looking at it themselves yeah. you know? I tell you the next challenge I have for you now I know you brought out your own book but I think you should bring out an audio book because I love hearing you recite poetry you have a brilliant way of doing it so that's the next challenge now for the oh, new year 2024 an audio book yeah, what did you get at Dominic actually actually well, Joe, like, I was listening to there like, and I kind of closed my eyes Joe. I you do that as well, yeah. Oh yeah. And and you listen, and you're actually you're there. Yeah. You wow. Know, and you listen, so it's absolutely love. But you've got a great voice, Joe's right. Absolutely yeah. great. Voice. Oh, thanks, man. I'll get a Brilliant. big head now. Yeah. I'll don't don't give it too head. too big. Or she'll come over here and she'll try and take my mic from me. But we want we want that to happen. <laughs> well, that's my place. I'll be taking that for his. I'm, I'm already watching Dominic here on my left. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We're going to take a break, and after that, Dominic is going to be showing us or telling us about his favourite photos of the year. We'll take a break now. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Virgin Media. Bringing you all your favourite Christmas entertainment. Powered by Ireland's best broadband. 0667123666 for your calls. Martine is taking them. 0833033300. Dominic Waltz has our monthly in focus slot here on the Saturday Supplement. And he's brought along a selection of photos from the year. And I'm looking here at, I suppose it's called a picture story and it's of a person milking 
goats, but it's a proper setup. It's like with the milking machine and everything, and uh, the little goats there, and uh, very happy um, goat farmers, I suppose we call them, is it goat herders, goat farmers? Yes, Joe, you're correct in saying that. If I can just say how I came to picking out these pictures, what I do as a photographer, I would take roughly about a quarter of a million images a year. There would Could be say that again? About a quarter of a million images a year. There, would you? Yeah. 250,000? You would, yes, yeah, between wow. 200,000, 250,000 images a year on that, and you take them. Now, a lot of them you would be taking, like when I go to take a picture, I, I shoot on manual, which a lot of people know, so I might take it accurate as I think, but then I might overexpose or underexpose. For that particular shot, I might take five quick shots mm. in a row just to come out with it. So what I do is, um, at the end of the year then, uh, around November, I'd pick out about 160 out of that that I would consider my end of year pictures. And I have a colleague of mine in Cork, Dan Lenehan. He's an award-winning photographer. Dan and myself then would be in regular contact for a couple of weeks and we'd be, he'd be bantering his pictures and I'd be bantering my pictures. He'd be telling him some of mine are useless and I'd be telling him some of his useless. We're good friends and you can tell people that, you know. And that, like, you know so we constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. Yeah, it's useless, Dominic. Get rid of it. Yeah. Why did you even bother take it? Like, I get that from him and I'd be the same back to him. But like we sit down and we go through our images and we talk about them and we work out and this was a, a particular one that, that I liked and I passed it up to Dan during the week I said Dan have a look at this what do you think of these pictures and uh, he actually said they were quite nice which was unusual for him to say and, and I decided to go yeah do what I'm going to produce a composite of that what a composite is it's a photojournalism picture and what it means it's like a story book you know right. call it poetry call it whatever but it tells a story so when you look at this image there's 11 images contained within one image mm. oh. and that will tell you a story then. So what is this lady, Angela O'Hanlon, um, she's from the inside on the Scully area there like that, you know. Um, I got a call that she had um, got herself two pet goats to right. produce a bit of cheese. Okay. And she kind of was producing it and to make a long story short, she ended up with 100 goats. <laughs> oh, mother. And she's running a business. So I, I just had to go and photograph it because to me yeah. that's that's quite exciting, you know, and how and that. And it's very traditional. She knows there's a hundred goats, she knows every goat by name. Wow. Of the hundred. Of the hundred. She knows them all by name. Oh, on that. And she would know their mannerisms, what they like, their dislikes, <laughs> how this one likes to be milked and how where that one likes oh to go and <laughs> this one likes to be fed beforehand and that's this one likes to be fed after. It's just this story you get draw when you come along and, and you're taking the chart. So um, I, I took it and I produced it. Now, um, again, my colleague Dan and I spoke about it and I'm a lover of black and white because I think black and white is, is it's, it's a great medium. Mm. It Colour confuses the brain. You, is get, that? You, you have to take all these colours in and you yeah. have to work on it. But whereas when you see a black and white image, you see exactly what it is. That's what it is. Sorry, I'm not cutting across yeah. you. I could never understand why when I look at a black and white photograph and I think, oh my God, that's beautiful. And it's not because it would be an old photograph, it would be modern day, but it might be black and I think, so that's what it is. You're looking at the image. You're taking that the image. And but does it hide the blemishes of someone as well, if you know what I mean? It does. Yeah. It does, yes, yeah. It does. It does. Sorry for being cynical about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what it really does and I wouldn't like to be saying this like that, if you get the exposure slightly wrong and you're, let's say, if you're taking pictures and you've got an orange light or a red light that comes in and destroys mm -hmm. the image on that and you take a line and you say, oh, change the black and white, it's perfect. A lot of the old images that they took in dark rooms long ago, they had a single bulb in the room yeah. and that bulb was pure yellow on that. But if you went in and shot that black and white, it didn't matter. 
because you've still got a nice clear image yeah. so that's how a lot of the pictures long go you know you'd go and you'd take pictures and, and they come out lovely sometimes when I was starting up photography and you'd go in and do a church and you'd shoot a church and the churches can be very yellow or anything like that you know and you'd always go back to the bride and say these are going to make great black and whites because they look well in black and white so that's kind yeah of we've about a minute and then we'll come back we'll have to come back after the news to more of your photos but uh, Rosa Tralee you're, you're kind of uh a very active in that every year and it's kind of it signals at a time of the year this is a great shot um, the roses they're flying down a roller coaster and they're on the way down and they're there with their sashes and everything I don't know how the sashes are staying on in that force well I, there's there's a lot of aspects in this what it is it's the Cucullin, um roller coaster it's absolutely amazing I went up in it myself afterwards saying that it wouldn't be a problem and I died I literally died. Never, ever, ever again. I might <laughs> one like that, you know. But I went with, um, I was there, RT camera crew were there. We went to this location an hour and a half before I actually took the picture. And I stood in about four or five different positions wow. as the, the roller course was working. Okay. So I could get a location and I could pick my spot. Like, it, it just shows, if, if you're forearmed, you're ready to go mm. like that and RT myself we were walking around like that RT took one angle and I took another angle and this is it and I got a picture the ladies are coming up over the roller coaster and they're going down and you're almost falling there's zero gravity and they're going down yeah. it's wow. everything fine yeah. it's, it's a fantastic shot we've lots more to come on the programme we'll be talking more about Christmas memories what are your favourite Christmas memories 66 you can text WhatsApp 083 300 we'll also have Lisa Lowney um, for our episode of Blast of Kerry from Port McGee Seafoods, and we have Logamna Kiri with October National School and Tehillah National School. We'll take a break, we'll have the news, I'll join you again the next hour. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Virgin Media, bringing you all your favourite Christmas entertainment, powered by Ireland's best broadband. Hi Joe, thanks for all your great Saturday mornings on radio, thanks to Dominic for his professionalism, to Breda Joy who did a piece on my fo- late uh, father, Dennis Taylor, um, Manny uh, Dennis many years ago wishing you all a very happy uh, Christmas and safe New Year um, Tony in Waterville and thanks for that uh, Tony and uh, another message here comes in from Charles and uh, he's saying wonderful memories such a beautiful um, letter um, sorry that came in from Mary and uh, Charles gets in touch as well to say he's enjoying the uh, programme and before the programme we were talking or before the uh, news we were talking about um, Dominic's photos that he picked out from the year and there's another one here Dominic um, it is a huge wave crash- crashing over a stretch of a road and there's a car in it and this is in Fina this is one you really like yeah this is this was um, Storm Fergus that just came there very recently actually and um, I was tasked by the Irish examiner to go and get a weather picture as we might call it and out I went and if I can just reiterate to people there and just say something when you're going to do these things and taking pictures alongside the sea or anything near cliffs or anything like that during bad weather just don't go there you know like I took this picture from a distance I had a very big lens on me I didn't go onto the pier I was very close to my car and I was very safe where I was on that it's a dramatic picture it's a wave that's breaking over the pier and it's higher than the St. Brendan statue that's on it so it's about six stories high this wave that broke over a car and that so like again it's just there and being in the right place and seeing it mm. happen with the wind do you know 
Yeah, it's a spectacular photo. And it wouldn't be kind of Christmas without a Santi photo. And I imagine you were talking about a quarter of a million photos. You must have a, a big number of Santi <laughs> photos taken over the years. I would. I have a lot of pictures over Santi. And Joe's actually, Joe, the one thing about it, like, I have a good contact with Santi. Joe, I don't meet him that often. And when I meet him, I have to be very quick in what I say because he just, this man is just running all over the place. He? And he's so organised. But, like, again, he's got a good woman behind him. So, like, like he can have these time to go out and meet and greet and and I think Mrs. Claus is coming out more often as well now at this stage. This was Santi when he was in Tralee and, he, and he's with the Candy Queen and they're down mm-hmm. down in Dinny Street and they're standing in front of the Ashmore Hall which people should go down and have a look at. Fair play to the people who put these lights mm-hmm. in the towns because I think they just give that festive atmosphere to everybody when they go into a town and it's lovely to drive into town and see the lights. So it was just a great picture and Santi's there, he's in his joy, he's waving, he's going ho 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 and saluting everybody. Brilliant and uh, some fantastic uh, photos and uh, they do adorn the front pages of the examiner as well uh, Dominic gets a lot of front pages which is a big, it's a big honour for a professional photographer to get the front page and Dominic gets a lot of them uh, throughout the year. Hi Joe very enjoyable show this morning with nice poetry and Christmas memories. Happy Christmas to all and that is Charles, that's your message there Charles thanks a million for that. Bernadette you have another poem for us and we're going Kerry now, we'll bring it home. We are and we'll, we'll, stay, we'll stay in the kingdom uh, the Kerry Christmas and that one is, was written by Sigerson Clifford Brush the floor and clean the hearth and set the fire to keep for they might visit us tonight when all the world's asleep don't blow the tall white candle out but leave it burning bright so that they'll know they're welcome here this holy Christmas night leave out the bread and meat for them and sweet milk for the child and they will bless the fire that baked and to the hands that toiled for Joseph will be travel tired and Mary pale and wan and they can sleep a little while before they journey on they will be weary of the roads and rest will comfort them for it must be many a lonely mile from here to Bethlehem all along the road they have to go the bad mile with the good till the journey ends on Calvary beneath a cross of wood Leave the door upon the latch and set the fire to keep and pray they'll respite us tonight when all the world's asleep. Lovely, beautiful, and uh, that remind me actually, it's a, another kind of, I don't know, is it unique to Ireland? It's, I presume it's everywhere, like, but the, the light in the window. I think, yeah, that's something I've always done because that was the tradition at home. It's beautiful, Donna. You say if you're living out in the country like I, uh, where I live, you can see for miles around and at Christmas time it's just stunning to see all the houses with the lights in them. It's fabulous and they're like little pinpricks of light if you look into a dark horizon. They're like little stars yes. that are kind of suspended all around you. They're beautiful. Yeah, They're yeah, yeah, beautiful. yeah. Um, Dominic, uh, what was the favour? Your favourite Christmas gift you ever got? Does anyone stand well, out? I'm I, looking I, for ideas. Well, you're looking for ideas. <laughs> well, I have a few, but I think one time I got a castle. Wow. You know, and uh, castle and had, and had the the drawbridge and it and everything like that. It had the knights and everything like that. Really? So, actually, it was. I had so much fun that was unbelievable. But I asked for soldiers with it. On that, but Santi brought soldiers. But at the time, I, I didn't realise. But the soldiers were as big as the castle. Do you know? So like it, uh-huh. they were giants around the castle. <laughs> but it was just great to have it and draw the fun that you have. And again, like I know now, it's iPads and it's it's a lot of things like that for Christmas now. But I think 
like the likes of the snakes and ladders mm. and all these things yeah. where people can play cards as another together one yeah they can play them together and they can interact a lot more mm. yeah because I find myself like, as a photographer going on meeting people meeting young people and mm. meeting everyone like that everybody's so interactive on their phones and their iPads and all like that the conversational skills are kind of going yeah. a little bit yeah. so like bring back these games or bring back these little things like that and it makes such a difference like that you know? but like as I say it was a gift that I had for years and years mm. yeah I remember as well the, the Christmas mornings you'd be getting up earlier and earlier every Christmas morning and there was kind of a stop put to that it was getting a bit crazy what time you'd be getting up yes. at and it was very hard to get to sleep on Christmas Eve you'd be so excited it was so hard to get to sleep the excitement would, would build up and you'd hear even people still talking about that now and they think oh my god you know I can remember I'd be mid for hours because I couldn't sleep I couldn't sleep and then I'd squeeze my eyes tight to kind of try and force themselves to go to sleep but it's that's all the magic of Christmas I think and it's still it's still there because that's why people constantly look back and remember and call to, to mind the, you know the memories of the lovely things and it, it really it's magic for me anyway I think thank God yeah. I, I was always taught when I was doing the Santa that our house was the last house on his list so right. we had to stay in a long time and the room was locked so you had to stay inside in the room <laughs> oh, Santi would call because, to late yeah. so Santi whatever way he was coming we were on the last yeah. of the list yeah yeah so busy yeah um, the kind of real memories that stand out for me is the crib I think as well you know when you'd be at mass uh, Christmas morning and to see these life sized um, you know f- figurines or whatever they were and to see them yeah. kind of the way they were done yeah. and again the work that was done on that is amazing my favourite gift I ever got was zero hour it was like a big army thing you don't see those things anymore but it was a massive um, like what was in it there was a whole navy there was a a port a a, a seaport in it there was like a whole um, army side of it then there was a train a whole monorail that went around the whole thing it was all in one box and it was actually interesting we teach the broadcasting course here in Radio Kerry and one of the students said um, you know people are buying gifts now that they would have got as a kid as kind of a nostalgic thing and I was looking up zero and there it was but it, it's really? hard enough to get but it, that, like, it's an amazing kind of an idea to yeah. bring you back to somewhere yeah to get you kind of to like um, I know that there was a doll and I can still see it in my mind's eye small short little doll and she had a soft body a red red cloth and her hair was painted on her head if you can picture do you know what I'm trying to say yeah. it was her cheeks rosy little cheeks and I thought she was the most dotiest thing I ever put my hands on like and she was lovely and with all the other bits and bobs that doll I can see that doll when I you know when I think about it yeah. it was the shiny little cheeks and yeah. the hair lovely in, in a lovely style all ridged if you know what I mean Antra, but it was a little soft body with her red it was like a little all in one suit yeah yeah. I brilliant. was actually young now we used to go living in a housing estate and whatever you got Christmas day you brought it out into the park yeah yeah. all, all right yeah and, and you played and you shared and yeah. you around like that so like everybody kind of experienced but now everybody else's presence was one you wanted or whatever of course, like that, you know, but of course. it was great to experience all the different ties yeah. like if you got a bike everybody was cycling around the circles around the estate yeah. and that you know or yeah. if, if you got something that somebody else could play with then you'll be playing with inside like yes that. Yeah. it's great to get out yeah there's the horror stories of forgetting uh, the, the batteries not being there for the presents and I remember my brother got a tricycle one time from Santa and it was missing the handlebars 
So oh. we, had, we had to procure a vice grips <laughs> to use as the handlebar. <laughs> but that's a memory that stands out. <laughs> I won't say which brother, though, no, or he'll kill me. But um, it's, uh, do you know, then, when you're on, we're on about gift giving, I suppose the, the best gifts, I know you're talking about your vouchers now, Dominic. Sometimes I think that's, a, you know, people love vouchers, yeah. but it's, I think it's, it's not about the expense of a gift and, you know, spending loads on it. It's the thoughtful gifts yeah. that you, yeah. and, and I know it sounds cliche, but that's the thing that actually actually people do remember remember yeah. that one time I got this or yeah. you know and it I could be even a photo like Dominic you mentioned but it could be something like that yeah it could be something that, that, that you connected or something that meant and how it made you feel at the time yes and it isn't something you'd be looking at God where was that bought how much did it cost because that's, that's, that shouldn't come into gifts at all yes but if there is time yeah. there is a, a little short poem and it's called Christmas is Forgiving right spot on to what you uh, by Iris W. Bray Christmas is forgiving and for showing that we care for honouring the Christ child with the loving gifts we share. The wise men gave her riches, the shepherd's faith and love. Each gift in its own measure was smiled on from above. Let every gift be treasured, not always size or price, determines the extent of love and willing sacrifice. Handsome gifts with festive trim bring smiles of sweet content, but modest gifts of humble means are oft times heaven sent. Yeah. That's, I think that, that, you know, sums up. And it is the meaning and the thought and everything. So it isn't kind of like the design or label. And there's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them, but they don't have to be. Do you know if it's a gift given? Yes, exactly. And yeah, love. wonderful. Yeah, morning, Joe. Just to say hello to Dominic and wish everyone a happy Christmas. 38th annual swim on Christmas Day at 12.30. So I'll see you all there. Um, where is that Christmas swim? No, is that That's probably a banner. It's a banner, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because there's a lot of them taking place around... Uh, 12. The county, what's that? Phoenix is 12 midday <gasps> oh, okay. and Banner is 12.30. Yeah, there's there's ones um, all over the county, isn't there, sure? And that's the beauty of being in a coastal county as well. And, oh, sorry, it came in in two parts, that message. So from all of Paddy Bunyan, uh, Sea Rescue is where um, that uh, came from. And I just want to make sure, yeah, there's another message there as well. 66 You can text or WhatsApp 083-300-3300. We'd want to encourage people to send in our Christmas uh, photos still, Dominic, oh, yes, and uh, what Christmas means to me. Exactly. Yeah. Like this, this is a great time of the year. Like, draw, like the swims and everybody support the swims and everybody give a couple of bob because they're charities and they help run the, the organisations as well there in Ballybunnan and all the lads yeah. and Ban and every, every place around the place. Uh, but get snapping. It's a great time. Like, like the weather's great. Everybody's in good form. Like when you're out and about, take your pictures. It can be a picture inside your house of a candle lighting on a table. Whatever you want keep those pictures coming in and thanks to the people for sending in the pictures throughout the year we have an unbelievable amount of pictures in our archives throughout the year and the thing is people as, as we keep saying to them we don't just get them in and pop them up we look at them we talk about them like we narrow them down and it's people around the world that look at these pictures and they're of local things and local scenes so it'd be lovely to get Christmas pictures out there now yeah and a reminder you can email them to jmcgill at radiocarry.ie and you email them midday Wednesday before the first Saturday of the month which I think is falling on Nolignamon I think uh, is the first Saturday of uh, the month it is yes the 6th is uh, 6th of January is a Saturday and uh, also Dominic we're going to pick our photo of the year as well and we, the standard was unbelievable the standard was absolutely brilliant it was a, it was a great year you know when you think of it that like it, it's, a, it's a piece we're doing on radio 
talking about photography, which mm-hmm. is very difficult to do. At the start when Radio Kerry approached me, I said I didn't want to do it, but Joe twisted my arm. And Diva, said, mm-hmm. Diva, of course, yes. <laughs> and it just, it worked out so well and I'm so happy to be involved in it. Excellent. Um, Bernadette, we've time for one more poem. Okay, I have a short one here and you know, tying in with what we've been saying all along about Christmases and looking back. So this is called Christmas Past and written by an American poet called Carice Williams. Each Christmas I remember the ones of long ago. I see our mantelpiece adorned with stockings in a row. Each Christmas finds me dreaming of days that used to be when we hid presents here and there for all the family. Each Christmas I remembered the fragrance in the air of roasting turkey and mince pies and cookies everywhere. Each Christmas finds me longing for Christmas is now past and I am back in childhood as long as memories last. Whoa. That's beautiful. And we're back in childhood here this morning. I've had a great morning with you. Thanks a million for coming in. And speaking of gift giving, I've brought you in a little McGill's Brewery gift box there. Don't take it all in one sitting. And there you go. Happy Christmas. Thank you, Joe. And And have a very happy new year. And thanks a million to both of you. You've been regulars here every month, all year, and you bring so much to the Saturday supplement, both of you. And it's great to have people like you in this county. And you also bring a bit of humour as well in the morning. (laughs) And you kind of lift the spirits, which is all very important. So thanks very much. I appreciate uh, your contributions throughout the year. You're more than welcome, Joe. You're more than welcome. Yes, and thank you too, Joe. And a happy Christmas to you and all your family and to you Dominic happy Thank Christmas you. and to our listeners as well yeah um, hi Dominic and uh, Bear and Joe happy Christmas from Donald Delan that comes in there and happy Christmas to you to uh, Donald now lots more to come on the programme we have our Logamnica Kiri which um, I know our guests here really like it's about the place names and the meanings behind them from our uh, students from around the county we're going to be going to Akatabra National School and Tahila National School and we're also going to be hearing from Lisa Loney of Port McGee Seafoods of for Blas of Kerry. So stay with us. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Virgin Media, bringing you all your favourite Christmas entertainment, powered by Ireland's best broadband. The late Gary McMahon of Listowel wrote a lovely poem of Christmas long ago brings back memories for older listeners. And that comes in from a listener there. Thanks a million for that. Um, have I heard that? I'm not sure. If I have, if anyone has a, a copy of it, they could email it to me, jmcgill at radiokerry.ie. Now, Logamnica Kiri explores the place names of Kerry and where they derive from. In this 10-part series, National School Children in Kerry will tell the stories and meanings of local place names. It's produced by Mags Manny. And first up, we're going to hear from the school children of my old national school, Akatabrad. This documentary is a Maureen Nivehuna production. It was funded by Commission the Man with the television licence fee. school children of October National School, County Kerry. Our history left from past generations can be found in our townlands, localities and even fields. Today we are going to tell you about the area we come from, the place names in this area and their meaning and the fascinating stories behind these names. 
Our school is situated in a beautiful townland three miles outside Carsaivin. Originally, the primary school was located in Ahtabrid, but in the year 1964, a new school was built down the road in Doreen. Speaking of Doreen, it means little oak wood. The Doreen River flows by our school and meanders through our beautiful countryside, and then under the Anagar Bridge and out into the ocean. It is said that the bridge's name is a variation of the Irish name Awanagara, meaning River of the Lach. Akhartubit, or Askwilga Akhartubit, means the field of the spring, or the field of the well. There must have been a well close by. Did you know that Akhar is an old Irish word for a field? Today we would use the Irish word par. The name Akhartubit can be traced back to 1598. Another townland or Balafarn in our area is Goranban or Oskwilge on Goranban. This translates as white shrubbery or copse. Copse is a small group of trees. The local J club is called Renard or Oskwilge on Renard. This means high point. At Renard Peel, you can get the Cow Ferry across to Valencia Island. On the 12th of September 1893, a railway line opened from Clorgan to Valencia Harbour Station, linking it to the rest of the Irish Rail Network. It was one of the most spectacular train journeys in the world, the westernmost in Europe. The scenic views of Dingle Bay Inch and Ross Bay beaches and the Blasket Islands on the mountain stage section of the line near Glen Bay were said to have been out of this world. The railway line completely changed self-care and the rural way of life both socially and economically. In February 1960, these railway lines were closed due to decreasing rural populations, immigration, alternative modes of transport, like the car and the lack of tourism. The townland letter is also situated in the area around our school. The name means hillside. I hope you enjoyed us telling you the meaning of some of the place names or Lug Animnica in our area. We learned a lot about the wonderful place names we live in and we hope you did too. Now, when you visit our area, you won't just see names in a signpost. You will know the meanings behind these names. We look forward to welcoming you. National School there. Did a great job by old National School. And a big thank you to Mrs. Wharton there and also to Principal um, Shadee Clifford as well. Uh, wonderful. Um, welcome. I got there. It was great to go back into the uh, the school. And um, I was telling him about Ungawrsa Skull that a goat came in one time and followed us home after school as well. But we had to learn uh, Ungawrsa Skull after that. Um, now let's go to Tahilla National School for their Logamnica Kiri. This documentary is a Maureen Nivehuna production. It was funded by Commission the Man with a television license fee.
by the school children of Tahala Community National School, Tahala Sneem County Kerry. Our history left from past generations can be found in our townlands, localities and even fields. Today we are going to tell you about the area we come from, the place names in this area and their meaning, and the fascinating stories behind these names. Our school is situated between Sneem and Blackwater in South Kerry. Sneem or Osquilga on Tanaim means a knot. There are a few possible reasons as to the meaning behind the knot. One is that a knot like swirling is said to take place where the river Sneem meets the currents of Kenmare Bay in the estuary just below the village. Another reason could be that Sneem Village has two squares north and south. A bridge in the middle of the village, viewed from overhead, acts as a knot between the two squares. The final possibility is that Sneem is the knot in the famous Ring of Kerry. Quite often it is from the Irish name of a place that we can discover the meaning behind it. The English version doesn't provide us with much insight. Our school is in the townland called Dwyna Mukluk. In Irish, this is Dwyna Mukluk, which means the little oak wood of pigs or pig herds. Another townland in our area is Drumlusk or Osquilga, Drumlushka. This means a burned bridge. Also located nearby where I live is a townland called Dune. In Irish, this is Undune, which means the fort. Bulena North is the name of another place in the area. In Irish, it is Bulena North. This means Bully or Dairy Place of the Saints. It was a place where cows were milked in ancient times. Not far from our school is a place called Temple No or Osquilga on Temple Nua. This means the new church. Did you know that the famous Kerry footballers, the Spillane brothers, come from Temple No? Ankle is the name of another townland near Tehilla. The Irish version of this place is on Ein Quail, which means the narrow river. The townland Darina Foil or Osquilga, Doreen on wheel, means the little oak wood of the hole or pit. I hope you enjoyed us telling you the meaning of some of the place names or Laganamica in our area. We learned a lot about the wonderful places we live in and we hope you did too. Now when you visit our area, you won't just see names on a signpost. You will know the meaning behind these names. We look forward to welcoming you. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Virgin Media, bringing you all your favourite Christmas entertainment, powered by Ireland's best broadband. Yeah, and uh, just a message from our newsroom there. Motorists travelling on the N21 between...
Abbey Field and Castle Island are being warned of delays following a two-car collision. One person has been injured. The extent of their injuries is not yet known. The road may be closed to traffic. Gardaí are currently assessing the situation, but motorists are being advised to avoid the area due to delays. That is motorists travelling on the N21 between Abbey Field and Castle Island because of um, are warned of delays following a two-car uh, collision. So just be mindful of that. Now, Loss of Kerry Women and Food is a unique eight-part series where we focus on female entrepreneurs who have their own food businesses in Kerry, produced by Mags Mahoney. In this episode, we'll hear from Lisa Lowney of Portmagee Seafoods. This is a Loss of Kerry Women and Food, a unique eight-part series where we will focus on female entrepreneurs who have their own food businesses in Kerry. The series will gather some of the finest food businesses in the county, where the owners share a dedication to quality food, supporting each other and using local ingredients. We'll explore some of the most impressive and interesting Kerry female-run businesses today, who are truly doing their county proud. In this episode, we hear from Lisa Lowney of Portmagee Seafoods, who buy and sell live shellfish in Ireland and also export them to Europe. Lisa Lowney, Portmagee Seafoods Limited. Well, it was my father, Shamey. Um, he started up the business in the 70s, just after returning back from England. He had immigrated to England at the age of 16, I suppose, like a lot of people back then, you know, they tried to find work and everything else. So um, he immigrated there and uh, he went working in the buildings and he did a bit of subcontracting as well. I suppose while he was there, he kind of he was always missing home and he had a great desire then to, to come back to Ireland and... Uh, when he met my mother, then the, the two of them decided that they'd move back to South Kerry and they'd they'd settle down and start a life together. When James O'Sullivan moved back to Ireland, it wasn't long before he set up his business and things quickly went from strength to strength. So I think he worked in the buildings for a little while after coming back, but um, he kind of always had a keen interest then in the fishing industry and uh, he saw potential then to kind of find markets for different species and one of those was um, was crab, brown crab um, and at the time the likes of that was being discarded out of the boats because they had no markets for it um, so he he did, he, he succeeded in finding markets for that and uh, then in the late 70s he built a small processing unit here in Port McGee um, he hired a lot of people, I'd say there was about maybe 12 or 14 local people at the time and uh, the core of that business then would have been the the extraction of crab meat and uh, that that would have been seen to be a very rare thing back then. And he was the first person in the southwest of Ireland to use that technique and uh, he branded his crab meat then uh, Skellig's Catch. So I think that's a very fitting uh, name for it really. So um, you kind of, you know, you know where, where your fish is coming from straight away there, don't you? Lisa grew up around the business and was immersed in it from an early age. My earliest memories, really, they, they'd go back to my childhood. Um, I can remember going off in the van with him. He'd take me to different piers and ports and he'd be buying the fish and sure, I'd be getting out and I'd be talking to the fishermen and I'd be watching the whole thing going on. And um, I suppose I used to be delighted then. I might get the odd day off of school here and there, you know, that kind of way. Um, and then later on in my teenage years, um, myself and my four sisters then, we would have got summer jobs, I suppose, in the processing unit here in Port McGee. So we would have been, you know, processing, doing the extracting of the crab meat and all of that. And uh, that was kind of my first taste for it, really. Like, that was that was the starting point for me, I suppose, yeah. 
All girls, five girls, yeah. He was surrounded. <laughs> he was delighted. Sure, he'd say, she's I've, I've a gang of women around me and making tea and everything for him. Sure, he was delighted. He was in his element. It depends on your upbringing, I suppose. Like, we were just used to of, of seeing that. And, you know, we never really took much notice. We'd get out there and we'd we'd work away, no bother. And, yeah, we, we probably were, yeah. We probably were the, the only people that time. Being the coastal village that it is, Port McGee is steeped in the fishing tradition. The real fishing area, yeah. So my father, actually, two of his first cousins, the Casey brothers, they would have been fishing here and they're still fishing here to this day, actually. Um, there's a lot more, obviously, fishing out of here. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a very close-knit community, like a lot of relations, a lot of friends working, yeah. As time went on, Lisa became more and more involved in the business, taking on major roles and gaining her independence as a businesswoman. Well, I suppose it kind of went from when from being a teen, working in the processing unit, really, and then kind of getting out into the buying world. Um, I suppose my father ta- taught me everything about buying and selling, and he later put me on the road then. He gave me a van. I was off around the country to, to all the peers and doing my own bit of buying, and, you know, that gave me a bit of independence, I suppose. And uh, sure, I got a bit more courage then. And at the age of 21, I went and I did my truck test. And uh, sure, before I knew it, then I was upgraded to my own truck on the road. And uh, I was, I was sure, I suppose a few le- few years later, then he was telling me I was taking loads out to France. And uh, <laughs> he he used to come away with me. Then we'd 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 head for the continent, the two of us. Um, because we'd, we'd two lorries on the road and uh, Leonard Corcoran from Valencia Island, he was, he was the main driver. He was, he was driving the, the first lorry and then the second lorry was kind of more for, you know, I suppose part-time workers really. But um, the, the occasion arrived where there was no one to drive the second lorry and he said, Lisa, come on, we're going. And I said, geez, Dad, I don't know. I said, how am I going to manage the, the other side of the road? Like, I mean, like, I'm all, like whatever, I'm only 22 or 3 or whatever I was and uh, he said, you'll be grand old, come on he said, I'll go away with you so, do you know, he was always kind of he was the driving force, like he always kind of left me do stuff and he always gave me the courage like to do everything so, do you know, I just, I didn't think twice about it and away we went Driving trucks at a young age on the continent is not for the faint-hearted and Lisa had to adapt and learn quickly Oh, it was very excellent Well, it was nerve-wracking, I suppose, as well Like, sure, jeez, I didn't know what I was I was facing out to But, do you know, it was actually fine once we got there Then you just kind of followed the road and away with you And it just, it just came naturally It is clear that Lisa and her dad had a great relationship And it was his encouragement that allowed her to succeed early on We got on like a house on fire, yeah um, we worked side by side the whole time, you know. Irish, you know, we had our days for her. We wouldn't get on as well, like, obviously. But, uh, no, he, you know, he always took my opinions on board. And we, we just, we were, we were good friends, the two of us, yeah. So what is a typical day like in the business? So a typical day, I suppose it's like any business, really. Um, you're always kind of planning. You're, you're preparing yourself for the day ahead. Um, I suppose for me, really, it's kind of more about the, the buying and the selling. Um so the first thing I do, like we'll say, the first thing in the morning, I'd I'd phone the, the boats that are out that day, and I'd say, lads, what are you at today? What are you fishing for? And you know, let's say if they said they were going to land a load of brown crab this evening, I'd say, okay, we'll we'll be prepared for that. I'd phone the the factories in Castletown Bear or wherever we we're going to go with the crab that evening, and uh, let them know what's coming so that they can have their staff in. Um, and then I'd phone the driver, obviously, whoever would be going, and. I tell the lads here and my sister Joanne who works with us as well um, I'd say tell them what time to be there and we'd we'd be ready for the boats when they come in then to take in the stuff 
it's not just about taking in the fish either like you have to you have to grade through it you have to check it for the legal landing sizes you have to check the quality then as well obviously and uh, just to make sure everything's above board and ready for for selling we could be absolutely anywhere Joe we'd if we got a phone call tomorrow morning and we were asked to come up to Donegal or Westport or wherever it could be we'll send a van or a lorry and we can go to absolutely anywhere in the country to buy Um, so depending on on what's being brought in like we'll say there could be shrimp and clear so one of the vans could go there you could get a load of brown crab out of Donegal you could get lobsters out of Mayo you know different things so we'd be all over the country really and uh, even if the smallest fisherman had only 10 kilos we'd be going out to collect him as well so we go absolutely everywhere Port McGee Seafood is a vital cog in the chain of the fishing industry in the southwest, offering a route to market for many local fishermen and women well, sure, my father, I suppose, he found plenty of markets back in the day, back in the 70s. Um, sure, he got markets, I suppose, firstly for the, the brown crab. Um, he was exporting that out first on on planes. So um, the processed crab meat and crab claws, he'd, he'd send them out on, on pallets. Um, so they were going out to Spain, France, Italy, Germany, the UK, and even Sweden. And... Uh, he kind of he kind of found a, a a good link. Then um, he built up a good relationship with the people in France, and uh, he could see that there was a huge want or need then for live shellfish. So that's kind of how we started out in the live shellfish. Then and uh, he decided that you know he'd go out and he'd he'd buy a couple of trucks, and that's how we kind of got on the road then. And we've been exporting out to France. That's been our main place for export. I'd say we export about sixty to seventy percent of all our products to to France and uh, then 30 to 40 percent would be would be here in Ireland to the processing factories. Port McGee Seafoods specialize in shellfish and many types of crab. We've lots of different species really there's um, you have brown crab you have spider crab you have velvet crabs um, green crabs yeah that's Mm. that's kind of all the crab but I mean the the majority of the stuff we're doing now as well would be kind of more lobsters crayfish shrimp prawns um, whatever oysters mussels anything at all anything with the word shell we're going to take it and that's it and we'll export it for you we'll sell it in addition to maintaining the business relationships and markets built up by her father lisa has to continuously innovate and seek new markets to ensure the business keeps thriving there's there's a lot of of our customers and friends that have stayed with us to today um i suppose you know his products were so good and they were top quality always going out and uh they remained. They'd they'd always contact, and they'd still keep coming back. And we've we've held those those customers, but um, of course, you know, there's always things changing. There's there's extra stuff coming on the market at times, and all of that. So of course, I have to pull up my socks and get out there and get new markets at times as well. So yeah, it can be a bit challenging, but sure, I enjoy it. You know, it's great. And what's it like being involved in a business that is traditionally male dominated? You know. I- Myself and my sister Joanne actually would get asked, asked that question a lot. Not really by fishermen, but the general public, I suppose. Um, and from our point of view, I suppose we'd consider like that having the correct skills and personality would be far more more important than whether you'd be a male or a female, you know. Um, so I suppose we have the ability to work hard and communicate with people, and we never look at ourselves differently to people that that we deal with either. Um, I suppose for years, like back 30, 40 years ago, um, the fishing industry was was dominated by men. And, uh, you know, I just I think it just comes as a second nature to us and I wouldn't change anything about it. I absolutely love it and I wouldn't do anything else. Um, well, day to day, I suppose you'd like some of the fishermen, they they could have their wives out on the boats with them fishing, maybe. 
Um, also, there's a there's a few women fish buyers in Ireland as well. So yeah, I'd I'd often meet up with them, or you know, we'd have good phone conversations. We'd keep in contact with each other, and we'd discuss prices and things like that. Port McGee Seafood has always created employment in the area, both directly and indirectly, including Lisa and her sister Joanne. Joanne does a lot of driving as well. Um, Irish is a bit like myself, a jack of all trades. She could be here in the office days doing a bit of book work as well and she'd be out in the lorry with me as well and she just gets stuck in. She's hard, very hard working as well, yeah. And we have Patrick Mahoney there from Carsevine as well. Uh, he drives a van and then our main driver, Leonard Corcoran, of course, from Valencia Island. Um, and then we kind of have just part-time workers that have come in here and there as well, you know, just because it's seasonal. So when does the season start and end? We start up in March. Um, just after St. Patrick's Day we'd start shipping like we'd start exporting from, from then on and you know every year is different we'd we'd kind of keep going up until Christmas some years or you know if you had a good year if the shrimp kept going then like you might be kept going up to the end of February so you know it's, it varies like it changes every year yeah That's the first part of Lisa Lowney's episode Port McGee Seafood of a Blast of Kerry and we'll return to the second half very shortly Thanks for a lovely programme every Saturday morning Joe wishing you a lovely Christmas and a Heritage Phil 2024 Joe and Kay Lyra Compon Heritage Group and thanks many Joe was in um, uh, not too long ago with his journal fantastic read that is Good morning Joe Dominic Bernadette and all your listeners I wish you all a very happy Christmas and many blessings in 2024 Perfect listening again this morning. Our traditions will live on forever. Thanks, that comes in from Agnes. We'll take a break and we'll be returning to Lisa Loney after that. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Virgin Media. Bringing you all your favourite Christmas entertainment. Powered by Ireland's best broadband. In some family businesses, there is a pressure on the next generation to take over. However, there was no such pressure on Lisa. It was a natural progression and a way of life that she loves. It was, yeah, but sure, I suppose, like, you know, I I was so young getting involved in it and I, you know, growing up with it, it was all I saw, like, I saw my dad working hard all his life and it just made me become interested and I said, you know, what's this all about? And I just wanted to get into it and see what it was about and once I once I started working, then I really enjoyed it and I, I just got a taste for it and, yeah, love it, absolutely love it. I'm going to take you into the back here now, Joe. Um, so what we have inside there is a vivier pond. Uh, so the word vivier actually means fish pond. It's a French word. And uh, we have tanks inside there. And we actually have lobsters inside there at the moment as well, if you'd like to have a look. So, Joe, just inside this door here now, we have a cold room. And inside here, I'm going to switch on the light, and you'll see we have tanks of lobster and... They're inside in sea water and we have oxygen then being pumped into the water to keep them alive. And as you can see, the room is, is painted a dark blue. So that kind of that kind of mimics, I suppose, the sea, if you like. So the lobsters, they feel like they're, they're still at home. They're still in the sea. It's lovely and dark. They're at sea temperature. They have plenty of oxygen going through the tanks. And then we have a refrigeration system here in the back and that's keeping everything cool and at sea temperature. This is just um, the catch from this week. So we're trying to store up enough so that we have enough to fill the lorry then. So we're keeping these alive and then we're going to put them into our trucks and the trucks have kind of similar tanks to these. They're full of seawater and we just transfer. It's all handballing. There's a lot of work in it, believe me. Um, so we, we, we take all these out. We go through them all. We grade them. We select them. We pack them into boxes and they go into similar tanks then on the truck. And uh, on the truck then, I suppose... We have uh, engines on the side of the lorry then 
that would pump the oxygen up into the tanks and we have a refrigeration system then as well so um, yeah it's it's not an easy job I suppose so for the likes of the lorry driver Leonard or myself or whoever may be driving the truck you have to you know you have to have the general basics like I mean you need to be able to keep control of your temperatures and all of that and you need to be able to, to know what to do with the engines if they cut out like be able to bleed them check the water check the oil that kind of thing and uh, luckily enough for us, uh, Leonard has been, he, Leonard is a mechanic by trade, so he was, he was the ideal man for the job and it'll be very hard to replace him, I'd say, <laughs> to be honest. The ones up in the back corner, they're, they're, they're crayfish, yeah, so um, they're, they're similar species, like obviously the, the lobster, the black guy and the crayfish are the, the orangey coloured one. Lisa handles the lobsters with great skill and care, but this is something she has grown up around and her children now too are being immersed in this wonderful natural way of life. The, the fishermen have them bended or, or tied or they might cut the claw like before they come in. Yeah, so no, I'd never be afraid of them. I mean, if you saw my four-year-old boy now and he came up here, he'd be like, Mommy, can I pick up the lobsters for you? He isn't, he's no fear at all in the world. He'd pick up the lobsters, he'd, get, he'd be inside in the tanks before you'd know it. No fear, and Grace would be the same. Like, they just, they were like me, I suppose. They, they just grew up around it and... That's just the way it is. Like, that's, it depends on your upbringing, I suppose, really. They're seeing everything. Like, they look out their window and they can see the boats going out in the morning. They're watching them coming in in the evening. They're seeing all this catch being landed up on the pier. And then they're like, oh, mommy, where are we going with this today? Or what are you doing with that? Like, so they see the whole thing. Yeah, they love it. And what does Lisa love about the business? Um, I suppose, Joe, I, I absolutely love every aspect of the business, really. Um, I suppose my favourite things really would be the buying and selling. Um, I kind of enjoy haggling prices, um, kind of getting the best prices I can really because I suppose fishermen are so hard working like you just you want to be able to come back to them with the best price you can and uh, you know it's, it's good for us like and uh, I thoroughly love going out on the road meeting our suppliers and I'm always keen to, to rein in new people as well so if there's anybody out there listening today that you know maybe might be looking for a buyer you know give us a call and we'll, we'll come out and we'll meet you and we'll, we'll buy off you no bother. The business is located right in the heart of Port McGee, next to her house. And this helps Lisa to have a healthy work-life balance. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's, it's easy, I suppose, in some ways. Like, you know, um, my house is here on the premises, so if I needed to go to the office, I'm, I'm up, the, up the yard. And if my children are in the house with, and they need me for something, I'm up and down to them all the time. And, you know, it just makes life easier, I suppose, yeah. Um, Port McGee is a beautiful village. Um, same as Carsevine, sure I come from Carsevine. Uh, can't can't not say that. Um, but yeah, I love living in Port McGee. It's a beautiful little village and uh, yeah, happy out here, yeah. And finally, what are Lisa's hopes for the future? My hopes for the future? Um, I suppose I'd really like to see the younger generation getting involved in, in the fishing industry. Um, I suppose I have hopes that we can keep fishing alive as much as possible. And it would be nice to see the government maybe taking a bit more interest in the younger people, you know, to have a bit of investment there to, you know, even put on courses, you know, show them what fishing is all about. Just get the younger generation involved because we want to keep it alive, obviously. And uh, I suppose I'd like to see my own children getting involved someday. And sure, I have a gang of nephews as well. They'll be made, they'll be coming down to, to work for their summers as well, I'm sure. And uh, I just want to get them all involved. And because it's a family business as well, it'd be fantastic to have them here working with us. And, uh, you know, it'd be great to just have Port McGee Seafoods Limited uh, live for a very, very long time.
that was Lisa Loney there of Port McGee Seafoods and thanks a million for Lisa who did a wonderful job there and lots of nice messages coming in complimenting Lisa there of Port McGee Seafoods we're gone over time but I just want to tell you a number of people have been injured one seriously in a crash on the N21 between Abbeyfield and Castle Island Road the road is now closed to traffic local diversions are in place and people are asked to avoid the area the two car collision happened at the turn off for Headley's Bridge within the last hour so avoid the area between Abbeyfield and Castle Island and Mary Mullins will have more Mary Galler will have more in the news at um, 11 so Joe wishing you a very happy Christmas thanks for entertaining shows every Saturday and was delighted to meet you in person best wishes Margaret and nice meeting you too Margaret Frank Lewis has a, a few wonderful Saturday supplements over the Christmas period and um, this time next week and uh, on Radio Kerry he will have a special uh, programme where he walked all seven stages of the Brendan pilgrimage they'll also be on December 27th Wednesday music and stories Mark Centenary of Johnny Leary's birth um, also on uh, the on December 28th then Thursday we have the North Kerry story trail and walk around Glenstall Abbey on the 29th so wonderful programmes there all over Christmas and you will be hearing about those as um, well that's all we have time for my thanks to Judy McMahon who sent in Gary McMahon's poem there as well that I was looking for thanks a million for that 